Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. So you go to two Final Fours, you have five Big Ten titles, and then you're fired, kind of? So here at Screen the Screener, we're, we're confused on why Thad Mata is leaving Ohio State and the method in which he departed Ohio State. Mike Randall, did you have any quick thoughts off the top of your head of Thad Mata and Ohio State parting ways? It's all about the momentum. So you want to say that Thad came in 2004-2005 following the Jim O'Brien scandal, which really shouldn't have been a scandal. Uh, They were ineligible. Then they reached second round of the NCAAs. Then when they were championship game runner-up and he started hot. Sure, all of that was true and Thad Mata was on fire, but... Let's take a look. 2011-2012, Final Four. 2012-2013, Elite Eight. 2013-2014, Round of 64. 2015-2016, NIT Second Round. 2016-2017, yet to be determined. The problem was, Gus, that was going in the wrong direction. Yeah, agreed. The ship did kind of do an about-face after that championship game run with Connolly and Odin. And it seemed like it just never came back on course. So I understand the move, but the timing of it seems unbelievably odd. And the circumstances surrounding it also seem prickly, for lack of a better term. I like that. I like prickly. That's good. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, just again, we'll lift the curtain on the Screen the Screener podcast a little bit. Like Mike and I have both experienced back troubles as well. Obviously nothing as dire or as uh, strenuous or as like laborious, as labor intensive as Thad Mata has, but at the same time, like it, that's hard. Like, it, it, like that that story of him like figuring out how to get his like clothes on and off like pregame was like that kind of hit home for me personally. Yeah, and let's lift the curtain a little more. Uh, the fact that Gus and I, Gus is trying to equate our back trouble as equal is, is somewhat humorous, folks. Gus was hit by a moving car while riding his bike. He was a superior right. track athlete. He still is a superior uh, he's a very tri- um, triathlon athlete. Still is a superior triathlon a- athlete. Mine occurred, folks, trying to retrieve my ball that was hitting it as a wayward drive at a golf course. Okay, my back got thrown out. So Gus was on a bike and was hit by a car and is not stopped because he's basically the $66 million man. And I tried to retrieve a ball over a ravine. So thank you, Gus, but not exactly in the same model. <laughs> look, 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 we need to lift the curtain that much, I guess. But, you know, listeners, now you're keyed in. I think Mike and I have both experienced the, you know, mornings, me, multiple mornings of like, it sucks to put your shoes on. And like, that's the worst part of your day. And if that motto was like experiencing that like tenfold, like I totally get that part. That sucks. It ruins the vibe of your whole outlook on your day. And as a coach, an educator, or somebody that's trying to like move people's emotions, like if you can't get your emotions in the proper area to do that, it's going to affect your game. It's going to affect your. It's going to affect your total outcome. So I, I get why the ship might have gone off path because of the injury problems that Thad couldn't get straightened out. And it, by the sounds of things, it sounds like it was just like it was nothing of his doing, nothing of his fault. It sounded like the, the back operation is very similar to Steve Kerr's and just like it went wrong and it just kind of lingered and kept giving him more and more problems along the way. Yeah, I'm calling poppycock on that being the reason why Thad Mata isn't there. And I'm going to tell you why. Back on March 8th, Matt Norlander from CBS wrote an article that's entitled Ohio State Athletic Director, quote, confident Thad Mata can return program to winning ways. 
And here's the thing, Gus. That's why when we quote, you, you argue, we argue sports, okay? And we, we quote rationale why. We're trying to predict what's going to happen in the NBA draft and predict. Almost three-fourths of what you read is baloney. So when you back up an argument, you just got to say, listen, I believe this story. This one I don't believe. Basically, Gene Smith, the athletic director of Ohio State, said the following, Gus, back on March 8th, Norlander wrote, quote, recently, Thad and I had a great discussion regarding the future of the men's basketball program. Thad's record at Ohio State is 337 and 122, an outstanding record, a winning percentage of 73%. He is the all-time wins leader and owns the record for most games coached at Ohio State. His teams have won five Big Ten titles and made nine NCAA postseason appearances. While we are not currently where we aspire to be, Thad understands better than anyone that component has to improve. I'm confident in his leadership. I'm confident in his leadership to return the program to the winning ways that we've all enjoyed during his 13-year tenure. And then in the conference where Thad is, you know, mutually deciding not to be there anymore, he referenced Gus the fact that recruiting isn't where it wants to be. Mm-hmm. So I think this was a political move. It's a BS move. We all know politics. Can't say what you really want. That's why politics stinks. They wanted him out. I think the back was an easy way out. Steve Kerr was out for goodness knows how long, and now he's back coaching. Mike Krzyzewski had a back injury. They stood by him. Thad Mata was winning, Gus. He'd still be at Ohio State. So I think this is a firing that was cloaked in some other reasons. Wow. That, that's really well said, um, and I think that's kind of spot on. Yeah, the recruiting has definitely dropped off. Uh, he hasn't had an impact player of any significance since D'Angelo Russell. And he's had a couple of transfers that have transferred out, and he's had borderline NBA players uh, that have declared for the draft or at least gone exploratory route for the NBA draft. And it just seems like there's like a little bit of a exodus going the wrong way at Ohio State. So I guess it kind of makes sense, Mike, of why you would want to do this. Again, the timing just seems unbelievably odd. Yeah, timing is brutal. Uh, but let's say they, they've Gene Smith, uh, very little patience. But now, Gus, it seems like they got their man. Look, if you're Ohio State and you make this move during this time period, June, and you are able to secure the coach from Butler, Chris Holtman, unbelievable move, home run. Holtman is the guy that you just said they needed to kind of grab a guy on the way up, a guy on uh, heading towards the pinnacle of his career, not plateauing or on the way down or a retread. If we look at Holtman the last three years at Butler, he's made the tournament every every year. Last year, he makes a sweet 16. He loses to the eventual champion, uh, UNC. Uh, they were getting blown out in that particular game by 20, and they came back and fought back in the second half and made it respectable and lost by 10 or 12 points. He won 25 games last year, and he knocked off the defending national champions, Villanova, in conference. So if you're going to look at a resume of a coach you'd like, okay, the coach made a Sweet 16, the coach beats the defending national champion, and then loses to this year's eventual national champion in the tournament. That sounds perfect. I don't know what else that Ohio State fans could want. Fantastic. And and this was the hire because either Ohio State has a pedigree, Ohio State has a certain proud tradition. So they're not going to take Chris Jen. Chris Jensen assistant, 
but they're not going to take him right away. That that's too dangerous of a move. You would you and I would speculate together. You came up with some some great ones. You know, like a Billy Donovan, somebody like that. You would mention that's mm-hmm. a guy who has a pedigree who may now because he only has Russell Westbrook want to come back, but evidently not. But if you're not going to get one of those established guys with a pedigree to come to Ohio State, then you have to hit a guy on the way up. But a guy on the way up that has enough of a rep that people are going to say, "Oh yeah," and the sweater vest guy is going to be all excited. And that's what we have here in Chris Holtman. So just a couple of other things on Holtman and then we'll move on. I mean, he had, we just rattled off a couple of things that he had success as a coach, but as far as his approach, his like actual day to day coaching, he went ahead and sat down his best player, Keelan Martin for an extended period of time, brought him off the bench for the betterment of the team and to try to get Keelan Martin on the straight and narrow. So Holtman is not afraid to make tough decisions as a coach Great point. and is not, and is not afraid to put his best player and hold him accountable during the season for the betterment of his program and his team. Great point. Like it, it, if, if, if you're, if you're a program and you're looking for a coach, that's going to be stick to his guns, really uh, follow his own principles. Like Holtman's the guy. Yeah, great point, Gus. Totally all over it. He's the guy. He brings in a blue-collar attitude. You're going to play in the Big Ten. you got to play some defense. And that's what this team is going to do. He's going to build it. I think he's 45 years old. he got a sustained success contract. You notice him, Quanzo Martin, right? These guys, these contracts are now much longer than they used to be, right? Remember they used mm. to be like four or five years? Quanzo got seven, I think. Holtman got eight or something like that. So yeah. This is the, the perfect type of guy for them. And he's going to have a chance to rebuild it. The yeah, and again, if you're Holtman, you're making about one million dollars at Butler, and then you get a pay raise of just over three million dollars per year set for, for eight years. He's set for life. So as long as he, he has a good accountant, he's set for life. <laughs> good accountant. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that goes overlooked plenty of times. Uh, all right. So that's left. Like, what does Butler do now? Right. What does Butler do? They're left not holding the bag, but they're just left with a, an absence, a vacancy right now. So they're now they're on the search. I think it's a little different pathway that they're going to take. It felt like there was some urgency to the uh, Ohio State search that they needed to lock this up uh, as quickly as possible. But I feel like with Butler, they can kind of take their time and explore some other things along the way. Um, so let's go over a couple of guys that I think might be mentioned for the Butler job. And then I think we both have some ideas. So let's see uh, who is going to be a little bit closer here. So, so Gus, here's my question. Who are they looking at? Because they usually promote from within. Let's go Thad Mata. Let's go Todd Licklider. Let's go Brad Stevens. Let's go Brandon Miller. Let's go Chris Holtman. So they usually look within the program. They look to right. one of their own. Uh, they have two assistants there right now, Ryan, uh, Ryan Pedon, who's been mm-hmm. on the staff for two years, came in uh, 2015 after uh, being a Grossi staff at Illinois. He's, at, he's been at three different schools, uh, and it was in Miami who worked for five seasons under Charlie Cole. So he's, Interesting. he's a guy who's, who's somebody they're looking at as well. And, of course, Terry Johnson, who's been there for 13 seasons, including 11 as an assistant coach. Terry Johnson worked under Stevens. He worked under Miller. He worked under Holtman. And he was at Auburn, Auburn and Fort Wayne before then. And he played right. college at Lamar. So those are those two internal guys. Gus, you think they're going to stay internal? You know, it's a great question. I think they're going to go somewhere in the Butler family. Does that make sense? Sure. I don't, it may not be like a person that they have on staff now, but maybe somebody that's been there or maybe somebody that has connections through the program. Perhaps uh, one of Stevenson's 
uh, assistant coaches from the NBA right now, but I think they stick in the Butler program just because you explained that's the profile that they like to follow. Oh, then let me test you here. I'm going to throw a couple names out out at you. You tell me what you think. Ooh, okay. Uh, while this may not be popular in Amherst, how about Pat Kelsey? Pat Kelsey. Uh, Pat Kelsey was at Xavier. Okay, so Xavier is a similar type of program to Butler. Mm-hmm. He's been the head coach at Winthrop for five years, and four of those teams won twenty plus games. He's in a low major level program, so he's a hardworking blue collar guy. And his teams have finished in the top three in the Big South four times, and then had two and the past and won the past two regular seasons titles. So not a Butler pedigree, but a Butler like pedigree. Thoughts on Pat Kelsey? Uh, Kelsey's interesting because of his validity and volatility. Recently, on particular coaching searches, I don't know if Butler would go ahead and explore that particular avenue. I think they'd want something a little bit more secure and a little bit more sure, if that makes sense. I don't think that's Butler's way is to like hire somebody that might be a little frenetic. I accept. I reject. I accept. I reject. I accept. I reject. Well, then I, I, I got two. That, that. That's not the Butler way. <laughs> right. I got two more for you guys. Ready for this one? Ronald Norad, who right now is in the D League for the Long Island Nets. Yeah. Now, he's been out of college since 2012. Um, they were, he was clearly a smart guy that people liked. He played for the Bulldogs 2010-2011 Final Four teams. Wasn't a total skilled scorer, but certainly he understood the game. He was a great communicator, uh, personable guy that everybody really liked. Uh, blue collar, had to work, same thing. Ronald Norad, thoughts? Only time he's coached Gus was at an assistant job at South Alabama. Interesting. Um, I mean, Norad played big minutes on those uh, championship game teams for Butler. You know what the angle might be here if you're Butler? It might be, hmm, could NORAD be a similar impact coach, first-year time coach, right. like Steve Kerr, hmm. uh, like Jason Kidd, like coming right off of playing, or in you know Kerr's case, coming right off of announcing and coming in as a first-time head coach and have that traumatic impact, even Mark Jackson. From the NBA, like he did a great job before Kerr got there at Golden State. Sure. So maybe maybe they're thinking like NORAD could do that on the collegiate level and come in as a first time head coach and really make a connection with his players and have an impact right off the bat. I got two more for you. Another one of the Butler ilk, Micah Shrewsbury, who's the Celtics assistant coach. He, okay. He's on the Butler staff when Stevens turned turned them from the regular, real solid mid major program to the powerhouse that they are now. He was part of the Butler team that reached the NCAA title game in the back-to-back years, 10 and 11. Then he left for a pay raise with Matt Painter's staff in Purdue. He got his break with Stevens and the Celtics, and he's been working with Celtics ever since. However, he may want to come back to be a head coach. This, I think, is the gold star. Pay attention to this candidate. Three things here. One, what's his personal preference? Now that he's had a taste of the NBA coaching lifestyle, which one is he going to prefer? Because he's been on both sides of the fence. So I think that's the first place you go with Shrewsbury. Two, is he a guy that's itching to get a head job somewhere and run his own show? Maybe he's happy being like the second in command or the third in command and doing his gig and being part of a winning culture. I don't know. So again, like, is he looking for that opportunity? Not sure. Third, it makes perfect sense on Butler's end here. This goes back to like our overarching uh, theme here with the Butler uh, coaching search is he's part of the program. He's been in the family. He's had success. He's now under Stevens at, 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 with Boston. So I think all three of those factors play in. Makes perfect sense for Butler. But does Shrewsbury want that lead position? And 
which lifestyle does he prefer? Does he want to get out on the recruiting trail yep. or does he like to travel with the NBA? Last, last one I got for you. If they choose to go outside of Butler for the first time, how about Dan Muller of Illinois, of Illinois State? Uh, wow. y- young, hot coach. He's a Lafayette, Indiana native. Hasn't won fewer than 18 games in any of his five seasons at Illinois State. Of course, he had the 28-7 and Redbirds this year, and they did not make the NCAA tournament in an at-large bid. He may be frustrated. This would be a huge pay raise, and this is the type of guy that if they're going to go outside of the Butler family, Gus, I think is very, very reasonable. So Muller has an issue. He had this unbelievable season, just missed the tournament, and the reason that he just missed the tournament and was that close is because he had the big win over Wichita State. Wichita State exits the conference, enters the American. There goes Dan Muller's big chance at his one or two, depending on how the schedule breaks out and if they run into them in the conference tournament, two opportunities to get a big-time signature win that the selection committee will look at in March. So does the frustration mount for Muller even more here now that Wichita State is actually out of the conference? You would think it would be an advantage. I don't think so. I don't see it that way. So I think Muller kind of makes sense especially coming off the season that he did. And he, he does have that win over Wichita State um, during the season, even though Wichita State came back and blasted them by 20-plus the two other times that they played. He's definitely – his players love him. His system works. And he does a great job of putting his players in uh, successful positions. If you remember like McIntosh, McIntosh had a great season um, with him at Illinois State. And plus McIntosh is now a grad transfer – so he's left the Illinois State program. So that's another uh, that's another factor yep, that true. Mueller may play into his decision-making or not if Butler comes calling. Perfect. I mean, listen, we're going to keep track of it. The carousel's moving around. Holtman's in Ohio State. Let's see how he does. Butler, we're going to keep an eye on. But, Gus, do we actually have a series here in the NBA? Let's switch over to the NBA talk here. We got right. Do we got a chance here? Cavs got Look, a chance? That, that's, that's all we want. We hold hope very dearly here at Screen the Screen, and we hope that they have another win in their bucket. Come on, Cavs. We're rooting. Just I just want to have the series extended. I'm not rooting one way or the other. I just want to watch more NBA Finals basketball because these two teams are unbelievably skilled, and we're like, how, how would you not want to watch another game after watching that one on Friday? I mean, that was unbelievable, the efficiency that they were playing with, and they were playing against the most efficient team in the NBA the past three years. 24, 24 threes, Gus. That's a record for an NBA Finals. This is what I'll tell you. Of course, we all expect Golden State to win Game 5, and they're a nine-point favorite and all that stuff, but Gus, I certainly would have thought Golden State would have won Game 7 last year. So if you're Ty Lu, I think this is your speech. You get this one. There's no way they're beating us in game six. Zero chance. And, Gus, I like the schematic. The schematic seemed to be we're going to limit Curry. LeBron's going to do what he can against Durant without getting in foul trouble, and we'll take our chances. That may be the way to success. And listen, Kyrie had 40. Maybe J.R. Smith woke up. You never know, my friend. They just got to get through the first quarter, and then it's going to be a close game. I'm rooting for it because the pressure goes back to Golden State if they don't win this game. And if if we're just looking at it like – normally like with everyday eyes like just take a step back from it like the pathway that this particular series took has the result of where the series was last year at Mm -hmm. this exact point 3-1 so the fact that they went down 0-3 and then came back and won their game they're in the exact same position that they were last year yep it just took a different path to get there and so history tells us it's not impossible from this point out 
Green, which I'm totally rooting for. <laughs> Green got Green got suspended game five last year. Uh, he, you know, he, so we understand that was a little bit of an adverse situation. But Cavaliers have the knowledge of knowing they did it last year, so there's no reason to think they can't do it now. LeBron's got to be all world. Kyrie's got to be Uncle Drew. J.R. Smith's got to be on fire. Tristan Thompson actually appeared. That was nice. Uh, yeah, uh, welcome, welcome to the finals, Tristan Thompson. Glad, glad you were able to to, to find some activity. Co- co- close it out here, Golden State. Come out and start bombing, because if you get to six, we're gonna get a little frisky, aren't we? I, th- I think it's gonna be very frisky, especially if they bring it back to Cleveland. I think Cleveland might explode if they bring it back Cleveland, for Game Six. Cleveland may actually rock. <laughs> I think that yeah, Drew Carey be excited. <laughs> So the one thing that, uh, well, there was a ton of things from that game. Uh, obviously, you know, Kyrie going off, KD going for 30-plus again, LeBron just having another triple-double, getting a tweet from Magic Johnson saying, like, congratulations, you're the leader in triple-doubles in NBA Finals history. Like, there's so many dynamics. Uh, you mentioned the amount of threes that they made, which means they put up over 50. J.R. Smith was playing like he didn't have a shirt on. It was it was fantastic. <laughs> so the, the one part that I was kind of like, ugh, don't let it happen again because the, the setting was there for it to happen again, like Draymond getting kicked out. The setting was there. Yep, like all, yeah. all the things were happening, right? Yep. So he's been kind of doing his thing, flying under the radar, not getting involved, not speaking up. But he, you know, he got his tech in game, in game four. He could have been awarded another tech and then been removed from the game. And then moving forward, who knows if he gets another one or gets a flagrant one for moving uh, moving on from there on out. So he could have been in the same position, but he didn't. And this is something that Mike and I have been paying attention to the entire year. Like Draymond Green kind of showed that he learned his lesson, right? He kind of settled down. He realized that his actions as demonstrative and as much as his locker room loves his passion found that like, I might have been the reason that we lost this series. And I might have been the reason that we're not in line for like a three-peat. So he's not kicking anybody anymore. He's not shouting at everybody all the time, although we did get a tech in game four. Um, And he's not threatening everybody. His shot selection is spot on because he doesn't need to jack up threes at an ungodly rate because he has KD, he has Steph, and he has Clay around him. So his offensive output and usage is at the right level right now. So in the finals, he's averaging, I don't know, like about 10 points a game, about eight and a half boards. Isn't that what you want from your starting four, man? He's defending at a very high level, and he's not getting kicked out of games. So I think we can parallel this and bring it like back full circle, back to the NCAA, and hope that somebody is watching very closely to these finals, and specifically watching Draymond Green and his actions this particular season and this particular postseason as well. Yeah, and that's it's, great. It's very, very true. Dray, Draymond has been under the radar. You know, KD has taken a little spotlight from him. They've been able to handle him inside. That would have been devastating if he got kicked out again. You're right. It was very on, on the bubble, the whole tech thing. I saw people posting stuff from the Oscars. You know, no, mm-hmm. the tech was on Steve Kerr, you know, one of those memes or whatever. But yeah, very true. And, the, uh, yeah, and you know what? I, I hate that the, the the greatness of that game and you know the greatness of both of these teams was marred and influenced a little bit by the you know uncertainty on the official side. You just want to see them get it right so they're not a factor. Like the best thing that a ref or an umpire can do is not be noticed, right? 
like and just kind of call the game fair whichever way if he's calling travels on both teams great he's calling travels on both teams if he's calling offensive fouls on both teams he's calling offensive fouls on both teams just keep it straight and down the middle just seem like there are a lot of inconsistencies here and a lot of uncertainties like you mentioned like who's the tech on is it Kerr? is it green who's it on like just get it straight totally agree Uh, listen i'll be watching tomorrow night monday night get your popcorn ready oh for sure so we hope that we, you know, we mentioned that we hope one person is really paying attention to Draymond Green, and we hope that that person is Grayson Allen. Allen had very similar issues this past season to Draymond, being physical with other players on the court that he shared space with and getting disciplined for those poor decisions. If you remember, Grayson got uh, suspended for a game, even uh, with all of the other uncertainty with uh, Coach K and his back bothering him. Uh and it affected the Duke program on a whole. This compromised Allen's opportunity at All-American status. I mean, there were some prognostications that had him as the national player of the year, um, the team's ambition of winning another national title. And if you pay attention to this particular draft coming up, they're going to have three Duke players called in the first round and maybe a, a fourth Duke player called in the second round, uh, Frank Jackson. And much like Green's suspension changed the finals last year, uh, Allen's suspension and his you know, actions this year totally changed Duke's outlook on the year. To drill the point home further, UNC benefited from Duke not being the national title contender that everybody thought they were, that they would be and ended up winning the title and winning the whole thing. So their arch, Duke's arch rival even benefited from Allen in some strange way and his mis- uh, uh, his bad decisions on the court. So Allen comes back for one more season at Duke, right? He should just mimic Ma- Draymond Green from this season. For all the knucklehead things that Green has done this past season, he's shown that he was really well coached by Coach Izzo, really well coached by Coach Kerr. And if you really want to go further, like really coached well by Coach Brown, who stepped in for Coach Kerr while he was out, and helped stay out of the fray. And he helped his team, up until like game four, have an undefeated postseason run, which is a little bit unprecedented. So it's time for Allen to do the same. Grayson Allen, show how great of a coach Coach K is, that he's made an influence on you and he's made, helped you make that change. Show how great the coaching staff is there, Nolan Smith and, and, and Shire and those guys. Like, show how, great, show how great they are by making great decisions, showing true growth, and being a true student athlete. Now, it's going to be all on Allen because he loses his leaders, Matt Jones and Emil Jefferson. So this is his team and his decision and his leadership opportunity. He's got some cool players coming in that are really going to help him out. The freshman class that's coming in for Duke is 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 phenomenal. They have uh, Trayvon Duval, true point guard coming in. Think like De'Aaron Fox-ish type skill level. You got Wendell Carter who en- enters as like their post presence, really efficient down there. Think like Okafor type. Um, Bolden returns to get a little bit more time on the floor, a little bit more experience. Expect some nice numbers from him. And they have uh, freshman jo- Jordan Tucker who's a really good shooter. Uh, and they have some other guys, Mike, that are uh, coming in as well that you really like. Um, so they have studs all around Allen. It's a very Kentucky recipe from a few years back with the Frosh Impact players coming in with a few old hands. And Allen is the old hand. So he needs to channel his inner Draymond Green, keep his game and his floor demeanor tight. And even if he sacrifices his game a little bit, just like Dray- Draymond has done this year, and exhibit the lesson learned. Duke will be a Final Four team waiting to happen. And strangely enough, Allen will be leading the way.
Very smart move for Allen to come back. He can totally change his draft stock here and change the, the reputation, the perception of him out there. Duval was the key. They needed the point guard. Frank Jackson gone. This was the key signing for them. I have Gary Trent Jr., who was number seven overall as a recruit. I love him as well. Yeah. Allen could really become a top 15 draft pick if they have a successful season. So Coach K's loaded again. Good move for Allen to come back. Uh, totally agree. Uh, hey, how about a couple of quick ahoys out there? Some of our listeners, we want to say ahoy out there at Rod Unit Poll. Uh, Eagles on the warpath. It seems like he's excited uh, that McIntosh might be heading to BC since we mentioned him before in the podcast. And we want to say ahoy out there at CT Sports Radio. Keep doing your thing, Clutch Talk Sports. Uh, hope that you keep talking about important topics and loving the uh, NBA Finals uh, coverage that you guys are doing. And don't forget, if you want to hit up uh, the Screen the Screener podcast, please get in touch with us through Twitter, at SDS Podcast. Uh, efficiency of keystrokes, of course. And if you want to email the show, we'd love to hear from you. Um, please hit us up at SDSPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you have some opinions or some uh, ideas for the show. We love that you guys contribute and you can play like a partial producer. That'd be amazing. If there's anything else that we didn't cover, uh, let us know, and we'll try to get it. We'll try to get it covered for you guys. We'll see. You, we'll see you guys next time. Eleven days to the NBA draft. Boy, I can't wait. The Los Angeles Lakers select. Oh, it's gonna be great. De'Aaron Fox. I'll explode. Yes. I'll explode. You'll see something on Twitter of my head actually exploding. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Uh, so, listeners, thank you so much for carving out some time during the weekend and during the week uh, to listen to the Screener Screener podcast. We totally appreciate it, and thank you for uh, making us like a listening priority during your week. So, thank you, listeners out there. Thanks, guys. Get a little frisky, aren't we? So he would be a zero player. <sighs> Thad Mata. See you later, Thad. Okay, have a show about kangaroos on. Change that. <laughs> nice. Bet they could dunk. It seems like they can. I showed some kangaroos like hopping up some mountains before. It's pretty freaking cool. I would think a kangaroo on the weak side of a 1-3-1 back screen would be an outstanding play call. That, that's, that's all we want. I also think uh, defensively, the kangaroo would be underrated. Yeah, kangaroo could box out, could get up there. Kangaroo's an automatic double-double, right? Pretty much. Kanga- I think the kangaroo's tail is also underrated. Yeah, yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd reco- you know, recover on the backdoor cut. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, again, I'm going to switch that channel now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's making the outtakes. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Down screen, back screen. Kangaroo not to be confused with Wallaby. Wallaby not bring the type of length that you need on the defensive end. What, what the heck's a Wallaby? I don't even know. <laughs> think, think smaller, less jumpy kangaroo. <laughs> so kind of like uh, Aaron Kraft? J.R. Smith is playing like he didn't have a shirt on. Yeah, if you want to go the Aaron Kraft <laughs> Wallaby correlation, go for it. <laughs> Your Wallaby correlation is Stillman White. Stillman White. Stillman White. Very good. Very good. Stillman White. No points, but no turnovers.
Delman one. So he would be a zero player. <laughs> Almost three-fourths of what you read is baloney. Tristan Thompson actually appeared. That was nice. That, that's that's all we want. I mean, I like to hit Araldus Chapman too, you know, but that's not going to happen. So he would be a zero player. <laughs> <laughs> I accept. I reject. I accept. I reject. I accept. I reject. Twelve oh four. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland may actually rock. I'll be watching tomorrow night, Monday night. Get your popcorn ready. That, that's that's all we want. <laughs>